I'm Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Today's guest on the podcast is Russ Richelsoff. Russ, you're a personal friend of mine. You're an attorney at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. A lot of people don't realize that your input, your legal advice has been sought and solicited nationwide. You're an expert on self-defense, and you know a lot about Second Amendment issues. And this has become Second Amendment issues have always been always been. Uh, uh, really contentious here in the United States. But recently, the Supreme Court picked up another case. And it hasn't picked up a case on a Second Amendment issue for at least since, from my knowledge, at least since 2008. And so this is a big deal. Let me start this podcast today with what the Second Amendment actually says. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's all it says. That's it. That's our Constitution on the Second Amendment. And from that, people have written countless pages, countless pages. They could fill libraries about that little terribly written sentence. The last case we talked about, uh, talked about in 2008, just now that that went before the Supreme Court was a case called Heller, and Heller was an interesting case because in D.C. they had really strict gun laws, and Heller wanted to have a handgun in his home, but and use it as a personal defensive weapon, but frankly the law wasn't in his side to actually have it because the first thing you had to do is you had to have a license and then you either had to keep it unloaded and dissembled or you had to keep a trigger lock on it so if even if you had a handgun it was useless as a personal defense weapon and heller said that's not right i really need this for my personal defense he lived in what he felt was a dangerous city, and he wanted it. What happened? So uh, Heller is actually an interesting case because the uh, – well, one, the U.S. Supreme Court said the uh, District of Columbia's law was unconstitutional. It violated the Second Amendment. But what's really interesting about Heller is we have the, the United States Supreme Court saying – that the Second Amendment is about an inherent right to self-defense. So it, it's it's not people – what the Supreme Court kind of was, was referencing is people get hung up on the word militia in the Second Amendment. Um, and for years, there has been a question mark about what does that militia part mean? Does that militia part just limit the right to bear arms to state organized militias or is it, does it mean something else? Did, did they intend to limit it or is it, 
meant to be something else. And the U.S. Supreme Court in Heller said this is about an independent, inherent, natural right to self-defense. So it's important to talk about what a natural right is, um, an idea that that was very popular and new around the time of the founding of our country was that human beings have rights that are divinely given. Um, you have a right to free speech. You have a, a right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. And it wasn't that the government was giving you these rights. It's that you inherently had these rights and the government couldn't take them away. So with the Supreme Court holding in Heller, they're, they're extending this natural right. They're, they're acknowledging that the Second Amendment is based in an individual's natural right to defend themselves. You know, I'm, let me push back on that for a second mm -hmm. because Heller has been means a lot of things to a lot of people. It's a hundred and fifty-seven pages long. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a massive document. It, you know, one sentence, one poorly written sentence, and we have a hundred. One opinion is a hundred and fifty-seven pages long. But one argument is that what Heller really did was it said. The American citizen has a right to a handgun in defense of themselves in their own home. That's one argument that it's no no more than that. Is that do you agree with that? Um yeah. so I I I I don't I agree that Heller does specifically hold that in this particular situation, that this D.C. statute um, that prohibited the, um, the keeping of a handgun mm -hmm. in the home in a state that was usable for self-defense. You know, if they're, they're, the burglar is is coming through your window, you can't be like, um, hold on a second. Let me put my firearm together. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, time out, you know. Um, so... It it is limited. So the Heller opinion is limited to inside the house. Um, the court was was very careful to limit their um, holding to inside the house. So inside your home, there you know you have a right to defend. And I think the term that they used in the opinion was hearth and home. Right. Um, and but but that kind of brings up the question, well, isn't your home usually one of the safer places that you hang out? Aren't you, you know, isn't it much more dangerous out there than in here? So um, this natural right, this inherent right to self-defense, how far does that extend and what? Um, reasonable government regulations um, don't infringe on that inherent right. No, I I I, I tend to agree with what you're saying. I mean, yeah. Scalia made a really good, uh, you know, call to to really expressly say we're not saying that no regulation is possible. You know, 
the government can say, Bob Sewell, you get a handgun, but you don't get a stash of grenades. So I want to defend myself with a grenade. Uh, the government might be able to put a regulation on that. I want to send, defend myself with, you know, a grenade launcher. Yeah, they may, they may not want me to have that. But there's, you know, the, the government can actually put some regulation on these things. Now we get into another case. And it has a lot to do with Heller. And, all, and, the, and you gave a great setup. And the case that I'm thinking about right now, and I know there's more than one important gun case out there right now, but one that's up on the Supreme Court is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. That case is, is it's really interesting. There, New York has some of the more egregious, if you will, or you know, more one of the most regulated gun states in the United States. And Nash and Koch, they're, they're uh, gun enthusiasts. They're part of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. And they go and apply for a license to carry a handgun for personal self-defense. And the New York State said, yeah, we're not going to give you that license. We- you could have it in your home. Sure, fine. But you're not going to carry for self-defense. You could carry for uh, target shooting and you can carry a gun for hunting, but not for personal self-defense. And they didn't like that. They want to carry, they, they want to carry for self-defense. And one of them said there's been a rash of burglaries in my neighborhood. And he basically said, I don't feel safe. I want to have this for personal self-defense. And the New York State said no. And the district court, excuse me, their Supreme Court, which is their lower court, said, yep, no. And the Court of Appeals said, right, you don't get that if we say you don't get that. And the Supreme Court has taken it up. They haven't made a decision yet. What's at stake? So when we talk about, and this kind of goes back to what I said before, about the um, this, this inherent right to self-defense. This, this, every human being is born with this right to self-defense is, is the idea behind that. So, um, yes, it's, an, it's important um, to talk about New York law because the, um, other, there are other states that have similar laws, and these are called um, some states call it good cause, other states call it proper cause. But what that does is it if if Bob wants to carry, if you're in one of these good cause, proper cause states, if Bob wants to carry a firearm, you have to fill out an application. And you have to, in your application, you have to explain why you, Bob, are different from the general public and why you have a good cause or proper cause to carry a weapon in self-defense. And it, it puts the burden on the application hold, you know, the person who's, who's making the application. Right. And that's different from other states like Arizona. Um, in Arizona, Arizona has a shell issue um, 
law. So in Arizona, if you apply for a concealed carry permit, and you're actually not even required to have a concealed carry permit in Arizona, but if you apply for a concealed carry permit in Arizona, what the law says is unless the government has one of these enumerated reasons, you're a felon, you know, you're a sex offender, um, you, you, you've you're been bad deemed inco- incompetent, you know, un- unless the government can prove that one of these reasons exists, they shall issue you a permit. Um, and, and so the burden in, Ar- in a state like Arizona is on the government to prove that Bob shouldn't have a permit. In states like New York, the burden is on Bob to demonstrate why he should have a permit. Right. And, and I found it fascinating. It was pointed out in some of the briefing and maybe the opinion that the state of New York doesn't define a proper cause. They have some judge-made law about what proper cause is, but the state legislature didn't really define it. And the burden is on the applicant. You're right. And so, in essence, we have an arbitrary, you know, uh, you know, some, some bureaucrat sitting behind a desk deciding whether Bob Sewell gets the right of self-defense, right? So, and this is the interesting thing about Heller. Heller says there's this inherent right to self-defense. And also, we're not saying that some government regulations aren't reasonable reasonable and constitutional. Okay. But the Heller court doesn't give any guidance on, on what that is. So they mention schools and they mention government buildings. Um, and this, this kind of brings up the question, why do I have a lower right to self-defense? Why is my right to self-defense lower when I'm at the post office than when I'm standing in the parking lot of the post office? Am I in less danger if I'm in the post office than if I'm standing in the parking lot of the post office? Um, the same thing with schools. Um, is there, you know, I understand, you know, there's children and we don't want school shootings and all of those things. Um, but when you're talking about an inherent right of self-defense, why in some places do you have a lesser right to self-defense than other places? And, and that question really isn't answered. And in Heller, the court really didn't give any guidance on what, right. what you know, how, how are you going to weigh, you know, the, the government, you know, the government interest versus the individual right? Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that. And quite frankly, I don't know that this new case um, that is, you know, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, I don't know that this new case is going to answer that question either. What do you think it will answer? Um, I, well, I, I'm confident that it will answer whether or not the two individuals who applied for concealed carry permits in the state of New York whether or not that denial violated their Second Amendment rights. I, I know it'll answer that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have an answer as to whether or not these two guys 
um, should have gotten a, a you know concealed carry permit or not. Um, it may answer um, whether or not the New York law is constitutional. But um, when the Supreme Court accepted this case, you know, when they said, you know, the Supreme Court doesn't have to hear every case, you know, you have to apply right. to, hey, I'd like my case to be heard by the Supreme Court. And then the justices, four, four of the nine justices have to say, yes, we'll take this case. We're interested in this case. So the specific question that the court is has said they're going to answer is, and, and I'm quoting here, whether the state's denial of petitioner's application for concealed carry licenses for self-defense violated the Second Amendment. So yeah. we, we know it's going to answer that question. The, the other thing is, is it going to answer all the other questions that we have about um, the Second Amendment? And I don't know. The, the interesting thing um, so conservative justices tend to be in favor of these individual rights, these Second Amendment rights uh, in particular, um, but a lot of other individual rights too. Um, they also, conservative justices, tend to be very careful to limit their holdings in their case in the in the opinions that they write because they they say they say that they're opposed to judicial activism they don't want judges making law they only want judges interpreting the law so um it 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 creates this interesting situation where the you know we have six conservative justices on the Supreme Court. So if I were to make a guess as to how New York State Rifle and Pistol Association is going to go, I am guessing the petitioners are going to win. Just yeah. just based on the the Supreme Court numbers. Um I agree. Roberts is kind of the question mark of the conservative justices. Roberts did join the majority opinion in Heller. So which, you know, was now 13 years ago. So, I mean, we'll see if, if um, Roberts, you know, which way Roberts goes. But the other five justices, um, it's believed, are going to, are, are solidly in favor of the um, individual rights of the Second Amendment. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about is the practical application. I mean, we all admit that we have the Second Amendment and it's been interpreted different ways throughout the years. There does seem to be some sort of right to keep and bear arms, right? I mean, you can't read that and say that there's no right to keep and bear arms. You have to believe that there's some right. And we have some rights to form a militia, right? We read that right there in the Second Amendment. How far that goes, I don't quite know. But one of the things that bothers me from a very practical perspective is handgun deaths. Really? I mean, if you're going to kill yourself, you're going to kill yourself with a handgun, right? And in fact, six in 10 people have died. Six in 10 people who die from gunshot wounds die uh, from suicide. And in, in uh, 
New York, they have one of the lowest per capita rates of gun deaths. So of all the other states in the nation, they are, um, they are the lowest per capita for gun deaths. And nationwide, handguns account for 64% of gun deaths. Okay. New York is doing something right. They're regulating heavily. Isn't that one thing that we could say? They're doing something right. Their heavy regulation is is paying off. Shouldn't the Supreme Court justices consider that? Um, no. Why not? Because Supreme Court justices don't make law. They interpret the law. Okay. <laughs> so we, we have this law. Okay. And part of that law is the Second Amendment. All other gun laws are kind of under the umbrella of the Second Amendment. So any other, uh, you know, government or, you know, federal government or state regulations need to come under the umbrella of the Second Amendment. Um, if you want to be able to regulate handguns yeah. and you don't like the state of the law, then you need to change the law. And in this situation, the proper way to change the law would be a constitutional amendment. You, you would need to change the Second Amendment. You would need to change the language of the Second Amendment so that there was no longer this acknowledgement of this natural right to, you know, possess weapons in self-defense. Um, you can't. Unfortunately, you know, this isn't a situation where the ends justify the means. And quite frankly, I don't know how effective um, th these type of bans would be uh, in the United States. I just don't know that you, you know, from a practical point of view, let's say that they did repeal the Second Amendment, which is a whole controversy in and of itself because the whole basis of the Second Amendment and the Supreme Court ruling is that this, again, it's this natural right. It's not, the government's not giving you rights. You have, right. you were born with this right and the government can't take it away. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there, there's this, there's this change, you know, if we said, you know, no, no, that whole Second Amendment thing, we've, we've rethought it and here's our new idea on it. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that that's going to sit well um, with people because then what happens to things like the First Amendment, you know, freedom of speech, um, the Fourth Amendment to be free from, you know, unreasonable searches and seizures, um, you know, the Fifth and, and Sixth Amendments, which essentially are what the, you know, modern criminal justice system is based on in the United States, and, you know, the rights that are are, you know, enumerated in the fifth and sixth amendment. So, um, and let's not even get started on the third amendment. You don't want to have <laughs> quartering you don't soldiers, have quarter, you know, I don't want them forcing you to quarter soldiers in your house. So, um, it's, you, you end up with this problem where you're saying, you know, this, this country was founded on the idea that people have these natural rights and, 
And as the Supreme Court interpreted the Second Amendment in Heller, that it's a a natural right to self-defense. And then you're going to say, no, no, Bob, you you don't have a a natural right to self-defense. We've changed our mind on that. Yeah, I I don't disagree that it's absolutely – would be incredibly difficult to repeal the Second Amendment and replace it with something else. Uh, incredibly difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what really what if we did, that's what we'd be saying. Yeah, we disagree. We've changed our minds. No more natural mm-hmm. right to self-defense. That would be hard because it's, you know, we have this, this in our minds as Americans. We have this, uh, I don't know if it's a fantasy or if it's, you know, uh, a romantic idea about rising up against our governments, right? And and we and really because that's how we were founded. We had these Minutemen, and they were farmers, and they were merchants, and they kept their gun in their home, and they were ready at a moment's notice to go and fight the redcoats. And you know, so in our minds. There's that possibility that we will have to do that. And if the government takes it away, if the government takes our guns away, we won't be able to ever fight our government again. Yeah, so, you know, what? what's the answer to this? Um, you know, every time there's a, every time there's a mass shooting, um, every time I handle a case where somebody does something stupid with a firearm and yeah. Bob I can't tell you how many cases I've handled where people do something with with stupid with a firearm yeah um, what I think to myself is that every time one of these jerks does something reckless irresponsible or just downright criminal they're they're chipping away at our Second Amendment rights. If you if you want to protect your Second Amendment right, buy a gun safe. Yeah. Keep keep your weapons away from your kids. Yeah. Don't mix alcohol and firearms. Yeah. Amen if, to that. If you're going to carry a a weapon in in public, get some training so you know how to use it yeah. and be when to use it. Yeah. Um, these are all the steps that a responsible firearm owner can take to safeguard this Second Amendment right. Because every time somebody does something stupid with a firearm, it's just it's just chipping away and it's adding ammunition to the fight against the Second Amendment. These are really important issues, Russ. Thanks for coming in and talking about it. We will be watching this case uh in, that's got up on certiorari to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, after the case comes out, the decision comes out, I hope you'll come back on the show and we'll revisit our discussion to see if we were right and where it's going. <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.